Yes. The, the key thing to take away from what we're seeing so far this year is an economy and a market returning to normal and stabilizing there. You will not see that in the headlines. And welcome back to, well, or welcome to an exciting, in more ways than one, episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and Jeff. Uh, we have had some massive technical dis- difficulties this morning, and the best we can get out of this is that we don't know what's going on. So we're on the air. We're on the air 30 minutes late. We don't know what happened. We've been trying to reach the studio and either technology or uh, human forces could be a, a curse from a witch. Maybe the Russians did it. We're not sure, but we're on the air now. Do you have any other conspiracy theories you want to throw in to see what we could blame? Happened? We need to blame the Chinese for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the Chino-Russian um, uh, pact of um, something. Let's, uh, yes, they they uh, actively are preventing us from being on the air. Um, and apparently you're calling me. Yes, on Teams, so we can have a video conference going. So we're getting all this oh. stuff set back up. We had given up. We were well and truly, can you can you mute me on the Teams? You're, you're <laughs> thoroughly muted, sir. Okay. Consider yourself muted, young man. Thank you. Um, we were well and truly giving up when we got a call from the studio saying, we got it figured out. We don't know what was going on. So here we are. We're back. Or were we ever there to be back? I think that's a deeply philosophical question. Okay. All right. So uh, we're going to jump right into what happened in the market after our disclosures. We're going to say our disclosures a little bit faster than we usually do because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Hopefully those of you that are still with us are um, still with us. Those of you, um, uh, I, I, we've had Tom, Roger, Roger, Bob, we've had lots of people emailing saying, what's going on? Uh, very politely telling us that, that uh, we're muted. Um, thank you for listening and for staying listening for half an hour to nothing. Uh, that is kind of the definition of waiting with bated breath. All right, so the Personal Wealth Coach uh, is the name of this radio program. It's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Uh, Just because it's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC thinks that the firm is in any way good or bad or ugly or pretty or any other implication that might be coming from being registered any more than the uh, DMV gives you some kind of a a pat of approval on your head when you go and um, renew your license. They generally don't pat people on the head. It's condescending. The SEC doesn't either. Um, We can't give investment advice on the air because we got to know our clients. We got to have an agreement to have privacy and all that stuff. Can't do that on the air. Um, So uh, the information that we are going to give you is from places we deem to be reliable. Um, You just deemed I did. I deemed it. You deemed. You uh, deemed. We deem it to be reliable, but we're certainly not going to guarantee any of the data that we're getting from third parties. But we'll tell you where we got it if you want to complain to them. Uh, we are getting from places that are not uh, on the fringe, uh, though um, some people might consider them if they're on the fringe. 
let's see here. We don't pay for this radio program. Maybe uh, somebody should start buying more advertising and the studio will be able to keep us on the air. Uh, they don't pay us to do it either. We do buy advertising for the program on the program, on the studio, and they do as well. And we buy at market rates. So I am confused, but that's all right. What are you confused about? Just go on, go on, go on. And um, that is our disclosures. What happened this week in the market? Good. Good? That was Good very quick news of the market um, this yeah, week the, in weather. We had some. Yes. The S&P 500 stock index, which is the primary index we use to follow the market. The For those who are unaware that the Dow Jones Industrial Average sometimes goes one way, while the majority of the markets are going a different way. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is probably the most popular index to measure the market, with which to measure the market, only has 30 stocks in it. And they're not chosen very scientifically. They just are chosen because the theoretically, I think it's the editors of the Wall Street Journal. Maybe somebody else is doing it now. It is, those it is cool not stocks. the editors of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it used to be the editors of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Anyway. It's S&P uh, Global doing it now, and they have a board <laughs> doing it that is using essentially the same methodology that the editors of the Wall Street Journal used to use. So we use the S&P 500 stock index, even though it has its warts and pimples, and is not necessarily a good reflection of everything that's happening, but it's a good, it's the best one that's publicly available. Anyway. Fourth week of 2023, S&P 500, in its role representing the market, crossed the 4,000 level and was up 2.47% for the week. Now, if you want to get excited, <clears throat> we're going to report today on a bunch of government uh, statistical analyses. And they say, for instance, GDP up 2.9%. You need to listen very carefully because that was for the fourth quarter, GDP up 2. Point. It's annualized. A lot of the things that come out of the government in other places are annualized. Some of them aren't, and some of them are. So you have to read very carefully. And often in the news media, when they're reported, they don't tell you whether they're annualized or not. So let's annualize 52 weeks of 2.5% a week. Uh, no, that's, that's uh, an unreasonable number. Well, this is why we oh, don't, we don't cool. like it when the government annualizes either. This kind of gives okay. you an idea. It, it makes a, a short period look more important than it is. Right. Well, anyway, the S&P 500 rose to 4070.56. Why is that important? Why? Why? What's important about knowing the number? Psychologically, crossing above the 4,000 line is important to traders. It also puts <laughs> it ahead of some technical positions. Yes. The technical positions, um, there's a, a lot of weight is given to what happens during moving averages. In other words, there's something called a 200-day moving average and a 300-day moving average. And I won't go into too much detail about it. All it's doing is it's but, taking the last 200 days and averaging it over. Right. So it's kind of a rolling, much smoother line than the market. Mm -hmm. it's, an, it's a longer-term average. Historically, when the S&P 500 goes above the 200-day moving average for a couple of weeks, it indicates there's a high probability of the market rising significantly into the future. In other words, we're in a bull market. Right, that's And we have now been two weeks above the 200-day moving average. Uh, we're also above the 4,000 level that has been cited by many pundits as being an indicator that the market will return to bull market status. And let me, Why let is me, all that important? Let me throw because, in about the, the, the round number real quick. Why are round numbers important? There are so many studies on this, and we still don't really understand it. Behaviorally, when you are going to buy something and it's priced at $19.99, you're more likely to buy it than if it's $20. That's why every things like that on all the ads. And when you go above a round number and if somebody pays you 
$19.99. It doesn't feel as good as getting $20. Why? Well, it's just one penny. Well, it doesn't feel better to get $20 and one penny than to get $20? No. So the round number has a value of itself that's worth more than the money to get to it sometime. And when you're talking about the market, the round number is just that important. And why are stocks worth anything at all? They're worth anything at all because we believe they're worth something. So that's, that's a hard one to get your mind around. But the reality is that market values in general are based on assumptions and traditions and beliefs. So when... A lot of people wind up behaving together. It's called behavioral economics or behavioral market investing and a whole lot of other things. There are certain indicators that consistently over time have suggested that people will in the near future behave a certain way when something happens. And what we're seeing is indications that the market is likely to go up into the future. Okay. Um, it's now six. It's the, the S&P 500 is now up 6% so far this year. That's pretty good. It's almost one month. Again, we can annualize that if you want to. Uh, if, if in one month it's up 6%, you take 6 times 12 and whoop. Nope, that's too big. big number. Can't, that's, okay. we, annualizing is really a bad idea, no matter who does it, especially us. However, well, the government does it all the time and gets away with it. Anyway, yeah, the, you, the, the, the other we, thing is- the, the government does a lot of things we're not allowed to do. For some reason, we're not allowed to bust down doors with a piece of paper in our hand. I don't know why. I don't know. Why would you want to bust down a door with a piece of paper? Anyway, I don't know. The government does. Uh, the, the two, the, the, with only two trading days left in January, we are, there's another adage, rule of thumb on, in, the, in the stock market on Wall Street is as goes January, so goes the year. And if it's up 6% in January, if we don't lose, if we don't have the bottom fall out in Monday or Tuesday, historically, that is a strong indication that the entire calendar year may well be a good one for the stock market. So there's a lot of good news floating around out there. However, and we put this in the newsletter, uh, there is another saying, it ain't over till it's over. Because the Standard Poor's 500 stock index, the SPX, is still down fi over 15% from where it was about a year ago. Uh, and it's uh, 8.5 at the beginning of last year, at the peak where it peaked out, it's now down about 15%. It's down about 8.15% from the end of January last year. So the market is still down, uh, but there are a lot of indicators. Now, we put this in perspective and we tell you that it's 80%. I like to say this anyway. It's 82% higher than it was in March 2020, if you can remember back that far. It's up 13.6% from October 12th of last year, and it's 23% higher than it was three years ago. So if you're a longer-term investor, you're probably looking at some significant gains in there, although people don't pay a lot of attention to it because the media doesn't. Uh, we also follow the CRSP U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index because we like mid-cap value. And we consider that it tends to go in different directions than the main market, which is driven by large-cap growth. It rose 2.46% for the week. It closed at 2487.52. It's up 6.32% this year and is down only just over 4% from its high point last year. So in many ways, the way we count a bear market is drawing to a close. Whether it will completely draw to a close, we won't know for a little bit, but it looks like things are getting better out there. The other, another thing we follow, uh, by the way, the, the, the whole thought process clearly behind the market rising this week because it dipped in Wednesday on Wednesday and then it came back up rather enthusiastically is we had several indicators that the economy is growing less fast. It's not slowing down. The growth rate 
is slowing down, but the economy is not slowing. And in this reverse logic we get when we when the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates, not particularly good news in the economy equates to good news in the stock market because it suggests that the Federal Reserve will probably not raise rates as far as other people as they thought they were going to earlier or keep them up as long. So anyway, um, the... The benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury note, we follow that. We want to see what the yield is on it. And it wobbled up and down all week with the changing winds and wound up where it started. And where it started is not that much different from where it started the year. So what we're seeing in interest rates right now, 10-year interest rates, is a great deal of stability. And you could look at that and say, well, that's cool. So it's up around uh, 3.5%. Cool. The, the interesting thing to this, it's important to again, review a little bit of history. Uh, the yield on the 10-year treasury, interest rates in general at 10 years, are almost double what they were at the beginning of last year. They're up 98%. That is very significant from a host of different directions. Uh, it means that the cost of mortgages, the loans for cars, and a lot of other things are significantly higher than they were a year ago. And yet our economy is still charging along, and we'll talk about that some more uh, as time goes by. Same thing happened with, uh, with oil. West Texas Intermediate crude oil is dropped from 80, 80, a little over $80 to $79.46. Not a huge drop. It dropped 4.81% and for no particular reason. So the gas prices shouldn't change significantly because of that. So, and, and we're going to talk about this some more a little bit. Diesel, the key diesel thing should to see take some away, good stuff coming forward. Yes. The, the key thing to take away from what we're seeing so far this year is an economy and a market returning to normal and stabilizing there. You will not see that in the headlines. And we talked about that a little bit. But now let's move on to the economy. Yeah. Um, we've got a whole bunch of emails from people thanking us for being on the air or telling us we're back on the air. And some of them include puns. The fact that these people have waited for half an hour or longer to hear our voices is flattering <laughs> at, at, at the greatest. So uh, there, I would recommend a higher dosage of whatever medication you're on to prevent this kind of abnormal behavior in the future. Uh, I we, love it. We do have a, uh, a, a a good pun from Roger, and it's going to lead I, yeah, to a, a pun tree from us. Um, he says, uh, for Jeff, if you do the deem disclosure twice, is the second time redeeming? Well, we deal with retirement, and that just means you've been tired more than once. We deal with that pretty regularly. It seems like everybody's goal is retirement, and I'm just saying you can do that just work out I, two I days in a row that worked kind of like revoking when you revoke something uh that means you voked it twice uh-huh or when and you I uh, understood that when you review something for the first time uh what actually that's contradictory <laughs> but you can review, review it for the first time but reviewing is to look at it a second time maybe somebody else looked at it the first uh -huh. time. anyway and redeem should be deeming it a second time we had some big news this week if you're a geek yeah and we're geeks yes we're eco geeks economic geeks the Commerce Department, our favorite federal agency, which is buried deep in the bowels, literally, of the Commerce Department. I'm trying to Bureau imagine a literal bowel of a department. You said literally. Oh, yes, yes. It's did you mean? Around. Did you mean the simile of literally? I meant the metaphoric literally. Ah, okay. All right. This is the, the most but, common usage today of literal is non-literal. Oh, well, yeah. the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the BEA, 
truly anybody who works there is by definition a bureaucrat. I, I think I would love to go and visit the Bureau of Economic Analysis just so I can say I've seen it. I, it would probably be disappointing because I can imagine lots of people sitting around all day in wooden desks with green eye shades. Now, this is something you know about me. There are quite, he, he's got a video conference going with me during, during the program. And I often have cats in the room with me as I'm doing the program. Mm-hmm. And I have a bureau, and one of the cats likes to sit on it. I'm not going to say any more. Okay, <laughs> go, <laughs> go right We need ahead. to come up with the name of that. That bureau could be the Bureau of Catatonic Reality or something. Yeah. Like that. Anyway, yeah. anyway, the BEA released its Personal Consumer Consumer Expenditure Report this week. It's actually the first estimate. PCE. What is a Personal Consumer Expenditures Report? It's a cool report because it says it not only tells you what real inflation was in the month that it reports on and over the period of time before that. It also tells you how much money is being earned and spent by people in the United States in real terms. It is, it's, it's far, far, far better than the Consumer Price Index for figuring out what's going on. It's one that the Federal Reserve pays attention to. The news media, if you follow these things, came out with a report that says the PCE was up 5%, still too high. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's for a whole year. Right at the beginning... The, the PCE report talks about how much it rose or fell or whatever it did in the last month, which is December. Inflation measured by the PCE, consumer, the uh, personal consumer, consumer expenditures, inflation was up 0.1%. It was up the same amount the previous month in November, which means of the last two months that they've measured, real inflation in the United States is rising at an and we can annualize 60 days and I think it's mm-hmm. appropriate. Yeah. Is rising at a whopping 1.2% per year. Now there's a piece of important information here because we've been railing against annualizing numbers and then we just said we're going to annualize these numbers. Why? Because the For reference the period of time that we're measuring, the 60-day period of time that we're measuring is the period of time that would have the largest rise in prices historically. It's Christmas. And in an inflationary environment, that's the time when historically you would see the largest spending and the largest increase. Now, we had a decrease in spending. Consumer mm-hmm. expenditures dropped by the fact that they dropped at all is important, but they, they dropped a small amount in December. Whoa, wait a minute. In December? That's Christmas season. 0.2%, but that was normal. It, yeah, it's a normal drop. We had a, a larger expenditure in November. We had this number that was just like huge wait in minute, November. Spending dropped 0.1% from October to November. I, I know think, what you're trying I, to say. Yeah. We, we, the, the month before, yeah, October, October, we had, I'm sorry, we, I was one month behind myself. Wait. Okay. I get years I'm, behind. I'm, I get my behind in front of me. Sometimes it's, it's very difficult. Uh, it's, it, I, I have to live with it. I, I'll, I'll make do. So we bought more stuff early for Christmas. That's an inflationary tendency. We just had a lot of big inflation numbers. We bought a bunch of stuff early for delivery at Christmas at through the end of October. And then spending dropped in November and December. These are normally high spending months. October was a really high spending month. And then we had lowered expenditures for the following two months. They were still higher expenditures than the year before. What does that all mean? Well, it's it's <laughs> it, it means that um, inflation is being tamed, 
And it means that people are slowing down on their spending, but they're doing it slowly. They're not suddenly cutting off the tap. That would shut down businesses. They're doing it slowly. This looks like the beginning of a soft landing, the proverbial, legendary, never-before-seen action of the Fed leading to a soft landing like this. If they can do it, I'm going to be really impressed. Um, yeah. Stand by to be impressed because I think we're going to get it. Yeah. I, really do, I, do, I do think we're going to wind up with a, uh, with a soft landing. Now, there, let me put a caveat in there. I love caveats. Uh, which means, fair warning, I might be wrong here. <laughs> There's lots of stuff could happen to upset the soft landing. Yeah. For example, bad weather. Russia could happen. Big uh, China storms. could happen. Uh, there's lots of things that could be outside disruptors that could take a soft landing and turn it into a crash landing. But strictly from the economics point of view, it's looking pretty good out there. What we're seeing across the board in the economy, and I think this is very important. Yes, we are seeing declines from last year. We're seeing a lot of declines. We're seeing, A, we're seeing inflation go up from a year ago. And B, we're seeing economic slowdown from six months ago. Those don't mean what they normally mean. In a routine, steady state or, not, or, or cyclical economy that has been running along like the economy of the United States normally runs along, little movements up and down are what we see and they're, very, and they're really important to look at. But having come out of a pandemic, a huge surge in spending, a huge shortage of stuff in general, uh, labor issues that we went through because of the pandemic, the return to normal is going to look like abnormal movement, but it isn't. It's simply what we call revert, well, what statistical analysis calls reversion to the mean, which is the way that statisticians and economics guys say getting back to normal. Uh, th that was fantastically done. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that. I'd like to talk, say something about economics again, just a minute this week. What? Close on out the last 15 minutes. On this program, talk about, this is absurd. Go ahead. Yeah. The gross domestic product of the United States, first estimate from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, grew at a 2.9% annualized rate in the fourth quarter. Now, why is that significant? Well, first off, 2.9% is almost precisely what the consensus of economists agree is the maximum sustainable rate of the United States economy. In other words, folks, it just don't get no better than this. Now, what else is significant about that? Wait a minute. That was a double negative. Or do you have a hidden meaning in there? That it gets, I have a hidden. It gets I, better yeah, than something this? like it just don't get no better than this. Um, the other thing is with that fourth quarter GDP estimate that the Bureau of Economic Analysis came out with, they now can tell us their, their best guess at the point what the GDP for the whole year of 2022 was, which is 2.1%, which is a lot less than the 5.9% we had in the previous year. The 5.9% the previous year was recovering from 2020, so we were looking like gangbusters to catch up. 2.1% for the year, but 2.9% for the last quarter. What does that say? That means the last quarter of the year, the gross domestic product of the United States was accelerated. Think about that just a minute. We don't see that normally going into a recession. As a matter of fact, I've never seen it going into a recession. There is a lot of evidence out there that we're not seeing a recession coming down the line. That doesn't mean we're not going to have one because sometimes you don't get a lot of advance warning. But we are definitely in a very unusual economic condition right now where the 
Typical tea leaves that are red indicating a recession may not be accurate because we literally have not been through this set of economic circumstances for a hundred years. And we didn't keep a lot of good records back then. So there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions, but more and more and more what we're seeing is that things are stabilizing and continuing to grow and maybe even accelerating at the real growth rate down at the bottom. Let me give you an example. You're seeing a lot of layoffs from big tech companies, big numbers. What you're not seeing, though, is the unemployment rate go up or the unemployment claims go up. We have something close to record low unemployment claims while hundreds of thousands of people are getting laid off from big tech companies. Why is that? Because small companies are hiring them as fast as they're getting laid off. Small companies have lower profit margins, so they're not raising their wages, which means this is not going to negatively affect inflation. Jake. All right. So next thing up, metal prices are going up. Copper, mm -hmm. zinc, tin. What is, I mean, big. Tin is up 80% since October. Tin, not the number, the, the, the metal. So that metal has jumped up 80%. Why? What's going on here? Why is copper up more than 20%? Why is, is, uh, why is zinc up more than 20%? Because China is reopening its manufacturing. What does that mean? Other prices are going to start falling again. A big chunk of the reason that we, well, there's some really big pieces to this puzzle. Really big. There's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but the biggest pieces are there's a war going on in Ukraine. That caused a big chunk of our prices to go up. And a not quite as large, but still very large chunk of the puzzle is China's near, shut, well, full shutdown rolling all over the country. Un unforecastable, huge chunk of the manufacturing capability just goes offline. And that's caused a lot of our other shortfalls to get fixed by going to other sources. Well, now we've been busy finding other sources for stuff at higher prices sometimes, and the competition is about to start getting fierce for those other sources. China's coming back online. When they do that, the prices for all the things that we're buying right now are likely to drop. Quality might drop as well. So keep that in mind. If we're going to be coming from a, a purely price standpoint for a short while as as prices start dropping and you go whoa i can buy this at this price again then you might get it and find out that the quality is really poor so then th this is a normal return out of recession when we look at prices that occur like this this is a normal coming out of a recession type situation for these numbers, the graphing of this looks like recovery from recession, but China claims to have not been in recession. So um, you can either look at the, the evidence or the statement. I, I tend to look at the evidence. China's coming out of a recession. They're not out of it yet, but they're turning on all their machines and they're hiring back a huge amount of people that were unemployed. They're uh, 16 to 26-year-old male demographic had unemployment above 26% for a big chunk of the last year. That sure looks like a recession to me. Um, Copper is a really good predictor of longer-term economic trends. Correct. Copper fell 25%, bottomed in 
October when the market bottomed and is since up about 12% since then. It's been rising since October. If you look at the um, base metal, uh, and we're looking at Bloomberg as a source there, it's up 80%. So there's okay, different, different contracts that are up at different times. You may be talking about spot and we may be talking about futures. So this is one of those things. It's up dramatically. I'm okay. sorry, copper's up the, 25%. No. I'm sorry, the base metal. Zinc's up the, yeah. the 80%. The copper, and it's it's up... Four percent so far this year. Copper is right now. What is is that a guarantee? Where you've got a booming economy coming? No, but it is a strong indication. And what we see historically, and, and this is why it's a good one. Almost everything you build has to have copper. People don't wait until they build it to buy the copper. Yeah, that, they do say, "I've got a contract <laughs> to build this six months from now. I need to start buying copper." And that is that is a powerful leading economic indicator, and it has risen four percent so far this month, which is one of the reasons the the market is going up because people are looking ahead and saying, "Whoa, these people who know what they're going to be doing and get paid for six months from now are saying we need more copper, which means they have contracts already in place that they're going to be doing more stuff, building more airplanes and cars and houses around the world." Now, so the the end result of strong this, indicators there. Right. The end result of this, China opening back up. We see this as good news, period, across the board, but it's also likely to put some nails in the coffin of China as the place to go for manufacturing. Because as they're coming back online, their quality has already clearly been dropping. And this is a universal thing across the board. It has a lot to do with having the safety and quality control people ejected from the country. It's amazing that safety has dropped and quality has dropped after that occurred. Why do I say ejected from the company or from the country? The vast majority of the quality control and safety officers for the manufacturing in China come from Western countries. They were there because their products were being sold somewhere. So as they left, a lot of the, and we've talked about this too, a lot of copycats came out there and started stealing intellectual property on things like connectors for phones and for your cell phone to a, to a headset or to dozens and hundreds of things. Quality just dropped through the floor. And as these things come back online, much of the industry is moving to other locations. So the remains of the manufacturing facilities that were semi-abandoned in many cases by Western countries are still producing something that looks very much like what was produced there before, basically keeping the intellectual property even though it doesn't belong to them and producing it as an off-brand type thing. So why do I say this is another set of nails in the coffin nobody's going to want to take new ideas to china to make their stuff if they know that china's immediately going to go into competition with them for the very thing that they're going to china to make um, this is just it's a universal truth in business and this is a trend we should expect to go forward prices are going to drop you're going to start worrying more about quality than prices right now that's less important prices are high let's find lower prices. As the prices drop, then it's going to be a competition for quality, and you're only going to figure out what's a fair price for what you really want. Um, and this is a normal part of a cycle, but we haven't been in this part of the cycle for about 
20 years. So for many people, this is ab- many people that are voting age and above, almost drinking age, this is the absolute first time they've experienced a drop in quality in products that they've used. Most people are used to things getting better and going back and buying the same thing that they got before because it lasted so long. And they're being surprised when the thing falls apart almost immediately. What's going on here? So just to be aware of that as a consumer trend. And we're out of time for this week. It's exciting times that we're living in and all of the meanings of that word where we are optimistic. If you would like to talk to us uh, off the air, you can reach us uh, with voicemail locally at 254-947-1111 or you can go toll-free 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can find our newsletters going back a long ways, our radio programs going back a long ways. Sign up for our newsletter there. It's free. comes every Friday. Uh, You can go uh, look at what we've said in the past. Contact us directly through the contact form or emails at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your weekend.